At the beginning of the summer, David promised you you would hear some things about Willie Nelson. Well, I guess the time has come. I've read Willie Nelson's biography, and it's a fascinating read. It's called A Long Story. Because Willie Nelson says that he is known for writing short stories that are songs. And if you think of all the ballads that Willie Nelson has written, everything from Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys to his first hit, which I guarantee you nobody in here knows what the first hit that Willie Nelson wrote is, Family Bible. Family Bible. Willie Nelson was raised in a Christian home, and he certainly declares himself to be a follower of Christ. I know that there are times in which some of the activities that Willie has been involved with makes us realize that grace and forgiveness is an important thing, but I will tell you he is still a professor of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and says that the faith that he was raised in he's never departed from at all. One of the reasons he says his life is a long story versus the short stories that he writes and sings is because even as a young man, he struggled to become a musician. And he remembers the day when he was having a hard time getting any work, and somebody said to him, Willie, you can't sing, but you might have a little bit of promise on the guitar. Well, needless to say, he had and traveled a long story, and as we think of his life, According to Rolling Stone magazine, American can only agree on one thing, and that is Willie Nelson, because he certainly is an American icon and not only can play the guitar and play his guitar trigger that I'm sure someday will end up in the Smithsonian, but so much of the music of the last 30, 40 years has been music that we know from Willie Nelson. Long story playing the long game. It's not just what Willie Nelson had to do in his life, it's what we need to do, every single one of us as Christians. We look at the Sermon on the Mount. I like to think of the Sermon on the Mount as concentric circles. If you take the outside circle, that would be the whole of Scripture. Maybe you could come in a little narrower and you would come to the New Testament. When you Narrow in on the New Testament, you can narrow in on the four Gospels. You might narrow in a little bit closer, and you might narrow in on the teachings of Jesus. And when you come right into the heart of what the Scripture teaches us, of how we are to live, and you say, if I want somebody to read nothing and nothing else, bring them right to the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' teaching of how to live our lives and how to be a person of faith. And it begins with these wonderful Beatitudes, and this morning we go to the third Beatitude. It's a Beatitude about the long game or the long story of faith when Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And if you think that's going to happen quickly, you don't understand a long story. We can't all walk out of here and say, okay, I'm going to live my life in a meek manner and have everything turn around. Jesus right here is taking a long game approach, or as I like to say, it's a long, slow walk of faith. The word blessed, we've been talking about it. It's the Greek word makarios. It means God's happiness. Not worldly happiness, the world gives you all kinds of fake happiness out there. Tells you if you do certain things, you'll find happiness. That's why kids vape. 
why people use drugs. That's why we have an addiction problem as a society. But it's not just a drugs and alcohol addiction. It's a Facebook and cell phone and spending and food and you name it. It's all over the place because the world keeps promising happiness and people keep seeking for it and they never find it. And so Jesus says, let's not look at worldly happiness. Let's look at God's happiness. That's what makarios, blessed means, happiness. God's happiness, the joy and way that God wants you to live your life, and God wants me to live my life, not the way that the world presents. And this morning, I want to look at three basic words out of this third beatitude and see how if we take a long perspective on our life and we see our life as a long story, not a short story, we see the long game and realize that things take time, that good things don't just always happen overnight. I believe these three words in the text will help us understand that. And the first one is that wonderful word that's so misunderstood, the word meek. Meek. Think of all the ways in which we misunderstand meek. When I thought of a misunderstanding of, of meek, I thought of the old TV show, Wasn't it called Taxi that had Andy Kaufman playing the Lafka? Was that his name? Something like that. And he was just this little squeaky voice, and he sort of played this really timid, meek person. And often when people read this beatitude, that's the image they get in their mind, kind of the Melvin Meek idea, the timid person who's unwilling to ever step up and stand up for themselves or for anyone else. That's why sometimes doing a direct translation isn't always the best. And so the New Living Translation, which is much more of a paraphrase, I think gets more to the heart of what Jesus was talking about when it doesn't use the word meek, but it uses the word humble. Humble. God invites us to live lives where we are humble, not arrogant, not thinking we know better than everyone else. The actual word that's used is the word pros. It's a Greek word that's actually only used four times in the New Testament. It's used here in the Beatitude and three other times. Let me talk about those because I think it gets us back to understanding what Jesus is talking about when he's asking us to learn to be meek or learn to be humble. Jesus uses it when he says, take my yoke upon you because I am pros. I am gentle. I am humble. That if we do things Jesus' way, it's not going to be an awful way. It's not like two oxen being going down the road and having those yokes on them that are chafing. He's saying that his yoke, following Jesus, we're following a gentle shepherd. Jesus also is described in Matthew's gospel when he's riding on the donkey coming into Jerusalem. He's described as pros, humble. Behold, see your Savior, pros, humble, and riding on a donkey. He could have come in a chariot. As the old hymn goes, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have come any way he wanted. He was Jesus. He was Lord. He created it all, and yet in living his life, he lives it in this power under control. Then Peter, in his letter, as he's writing to Christian women, it says, don't let your beauty be worldly beauty, but rather let it come from a pros spirit, a gentle spirit. 
true beauty, Jesus or Peter is saying, is not external. We make far too much out of the externals, but it's how we live inside. So Jesus is basically contrasting as he talks about blessed are the meek, or blessed are the pross, blessed are the humble. He's contrasting how we usually think worldly things get done in this world. We think it and things change by politics or wealth or force. And far too often that's what people rely on. And Jesus says, no, we shouldn't be relying on that. We should be relying on humility and learning to be humble and servants of Christ. That's why I love the story of, and stories we know of Mother Teresa. She was but a bitty woman, very short woman, woman who didn't push her way around anyone. And yet, when she saw the poor of Calcutta, what did she do? She decided to give her life to serving the poorest of the poor. She was a gentle woman, but she was also a bold woman. Did you know that when she died, there were companies that were nonprofit organizations that were fearful of how could they raise money now that Mother Teresa wasn't there to raise it for them because she was, they said, the only person in the world who could ask somebody for a billion dollars and get that. That may be meek and gentle, but there's also a force behind that. And she's the one who first approached Bill Gates and said, you have so much you need to learn to share it with others. So Jesus asks us to live a different way, to learn to be humble, to be meek, to, as we would say, let go and let God, rather than forcing our way through everything. Again, this world will teach you something different. It'll tell you to fight what's yours, fight for what's yours, demand what's yours, push for what's yours, and Jesus says, do the other. And why does he say it? Because of that next word we see in our text, inherit. It is great to be a Christian because we have a great inheritance. It's an amazing inheritance. And we know that ultimately that inheritance is far greater than anything else that we could ever work for in this world. That we not only inherit what he talks about in this passage, but we inherit eternal life. And when you take that and you consider that, nothing else matters. Again, I remember the day that I was in a funeral service with a wonderful Christian woman who died far too young And she was very active in our church. Her mom and dad were active in the church. Her sister attended an Assemblies of God church up in Worcester. And when we were singing Amazing Grace and that line, when we've been there 10,000 years, just struck every one of us. As tough as that day was, we knew that Cindy had the ultimate thing, which is that inheritance that God promises for us as we trust in Jesus as our Savior. The word that's used here, again, is a Greek word, it is a guarantee in the future. Thus it gets translated inheritance. This is something a person doesn't have, but will have. That's what an inheritance is. It's not something we possess right now, but it's something for the future. So Jesus is saying, when we live a certain way, when we live this meek way, this humble way, when we live under God's dominion rather than our own we have something to look forward to we don't obsess about the future but we have the future guaranteed for us a few years ago our church was going through a financial struggle 
I guess churches always go through financial struggle, so what was nothing new that day? And the mail came, and I opened the letter, and it was from a lawyer telling us that we had inherited something. I got excited. I called the lawyer up on the phone, and the church had inherited $20,000. Well, we needed the money right then. And they said, oh, no, you're going to have to wait two years for it. But we knew we were going to get the money. And I remember talking to the person who was the director of finance at the time, and I said, I'm not sure that this is legitimate. And he checked it out. He goes, oh, no, it's guaranteed, 100%. We're going to get that money. Nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to get in the middle of it. So we kind of understand human inheritance. And what Jesus is saying is when we learn to live the right way, we can have a positive expectation about the future. There is an inheritance. There is something coming. So you may be sitting here this morning saying, when's it going to come, God? Well, it will always be there, but we don't always get things in our timing. It's in God's timing. The problem is we want things when? When do we want them? Now. Now. That's when we want them. But Jesus asks for patience. Jesus says, live a life of faith. Learn to be humble. Learn to live under God's control. And God's promises that are far better than any of the stuff that we would settle for will come to us. This, I do not ask you parents to try at home. It's a guarantee to fail. I already tried it. Years ago, my oldest son, David, was a little kindergartner. And mom was at work that day, and so I got all excited, and I said, David, let's set up the Christmas tree. So we set up the Christmas tree, and we decorated the house, and then I said, let's start putting presents under the tree. And David was excited. He said, yes. And I said, the first tree, the first present is a present for you. And I had it all wrapped and prepared, and I put it under the tree, and he said, awesome, I want to open it. And I said, no. And he said, yes, now. And I said, no. And he said, no, I want it right now. And it did not go well. Mom and dad, do not set up the Christmas tree with a kindergartner and put a present under for the child and tell them they have to wait for 30 days. They don't feel very good about that. Here's the problem. We are all kindergartners. Every one of us. We're wanting what we want now. We want that package now. Jesus told me, if I live a certain way, something good's going to happen. I want it today. And he doesn't do that. He says it's an inheritance that live the right way and we will realize that God has blessings in the future. What are you trusting God for? Wait on his timing. Because when we keep putting things in our timing and do them our way, we just mess things up anyhow. How many times have we looked back and said, if I'd only waited for God, or wow, I did wait for God this time, and I'm so thankful. A number of years ago, we had a guy named Brian who attended our church before he and his wife moved to California, and he worked for the Antique Roadshow on WGBH. And I used to talk to Brian about how the fun part of watching the show was people who thought they were going to get something big, and they didn't. And he goes, yeah, you're right, everybody wants to watch that part. And I talked to him about one time that there was this guy, and he'd remembered the story. There was this guy who was given a revolutionary war chest. It was a beautiful big chest of drawers. 
And he wanted it to look how he wanted it now. So he brought it and he proudly showed them how not only did he have this, but he had made it better right now because he got anxious and he stripped all that old finish off it and he refinished it and it was beautiful and he made it look just like it would have in the days of Paul Revere. And at the end of the show, they said, beautiful chest, that thing is worth $5,000 and he was all excited. And they said, however, had you not stripped that stuff that you thought looked so bad and you would have waited, it would have been worth $200,000. Isn't that what we do to our lives? We grab control. We take over. Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit. But we don't like that word inherit because that means future and we want it now. And so what Jesus is teaching us is to live with a patience, a godly patience, as we receive God's blessing, not the stuff that we want. And what do we inherit? Jesus says we inherit the earth. What do the people of God inherit? What do the people who learn to be meek and humble, they inherit the earth? The Greek word ja means land. Many spiritualize this and make this only heaven. It certainly is heaven. We inherit heaven. We inherit a valuable home beyond anything that this world has to offer. But Jesus is also talking about right here. He's talking about land. Commentators are very clear that we so often take this and spiritualize it and say, oh, God only has a spiritual blessing in the future. He's actually saying, no, when we live the right way, God will do good things in our world and in our life today. If you don't believe it, just think about the Middle East. That's where this was written. And in the Middle East, land is everything. They continue to fight over small portions of land. That's what all the battles are over. So Jesus said, live the right way, live humbly, live meekly, and you will inherit the very thing that you want. Learn to be humble and gentle. The problem is people don't do that, and they take their will back, and nations and groups of people continue to fight, and nobody wins when people fight. So the same battles we see going on today in our news were happening 2,000 years ago and were happening 2,000 years before that because that's what happens when we do it our way. Wouldn't it be refreshing if we started living a different way? Amen, folks? Wouldn't it be refreshing if people started to learn to live God's way? So for us, it isn't just land. It isn't that God is saying to you and me, live humble and live under my grace and learn to live meekly and and learn to be patient. You'll receive land. It's our well-being and all of our plans and our lives. What are you trusting God for? For you see, we will inherit all that God has for us if we can start living God's way. What do you need to trust God for this morning? What's happening in your life, in your family's life, that you need to learn to be patient for? Remember the Lord's Prayer. We pray it every single week. And we come to that line where we say, give us this day, what? Our daily bread. It gets back to saying, learn to live the right way. Learn to do and take care of what we need to do today and live under God's sovereign rule and learn to be humble and meek and trusting and know that we will inherit what God has for us. God has plans and purposes for your life. Don't thwart them. Don't become like the kindergartner ripping into the package or like the guy who doesn't want to take a moment to 
Ask somebody else a perspective and refinishing the cabinet. I'd like to go back to my friend Willie one more time. Willie Nelson says that he was in his 50s and he'd had quite a bit of success in his life and he said, but remember, my life is not a short story. My life is a long story. And he said, my accountant came to me and said, Willie, I got bad news for you. He said, remember those tax shelters that we thought were going to work? They didn't. You owe $38 million to the federal government in taxes. Willie said, what am I going to do? His accountant said, you have nothing to do other than to declare bankruptcy. And Willie said, I sat and I looked at him and I said, I'm Willie Nelson. And Willie Nelson doesn't declare bankruptcy. So he said, my accountant asked me, what are you going to do then? I said, well, I'm going to play a little golf. I'm going to play some dominoes. I'm going to go take a nap. And his accountant looked at him and said, Willie, you're just putting on the off the inevitable. He said, no, sir. I'm just trying to keep a positive thought here. And he said, I realize my life is a long story. It's not a short story. And he said, I did the things I needed to do to get myself out of debt, to pay off my $38 million. And he said, I'm in my 80s. I'm living a pretty good life. I'm Willie Nelson. Do you hear it, folks? We want it right now. Declare bankruptcy. Everything will be good, Willie was told. He goes, no, it won't. He said, the government wanted to take everything from me. And he said, they wanted to take so much from me, they wanted to take my guitar tweaker because they thought they could auction her off for some money to pay off my debt. We get to our own lives, and we're not facing $38 million in debt. But we face things that we get concerned about. Or we face things in our life that seem overwhelming. Or we start living our lives in such a way that we think that we could push our way around and force our will on others that somehow it's going to end differently this time. And that's why it's so important to think of those concentric circles and come right to the heart of Jesus' teaching and hear what he tells us in that third beatitude. It doesn't say blessed are those who have more guns than someone else. It doesn't say blessed are those or they're going to be happy who have more money than someone else. It doesn't say blessed are those who have more toys than anyone else because somehow they're going to win in the end. He says you're blessed if you can learn to live God's way, to live under the sovereign rule of your heavenly Father who knows better for you and for me what we need than we need ourselves, to learn to live today with a positive thought with a realization that our head needs to be where our feet are so that today we're doing the things that we need to do to trust in God and to live His way and to then learn what it means to be humble and to be meek, to live under God's sovereign rule. Because when we do that, it's not just that we hope everything's going to be okay. We have Jesus' promise. You don't have Pastor Stan's promise on this. you got Jesus' promise on this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit what? The earth. All the things that you get consumed about, all the things that I get so worked up about, Jesus says, live the right way and trust me. They may not come the way you want them or expected them to come, but your Heavenly Father, remember, knows far before you do. Knows way before you're asking. Life, growth, positive change, they take time. That's what this beatitude's about.
learning to live God's way and trusting in God and not wanting what we want when we want it, but knowing that God knows best. We end our time together with a time of prayer, and I'd like to invite Alona to draw us into our prayer time, at which time then we will end our service with that wonderful hymn, How Great Thou Art. At this time in the service, we just take a moment just to reflect upon the word that was poured into us. So I welcome you just to settle yourselves in, just to get comfortable, just to breathe into this moment, to breathe out that which we need to release so that we can breathe in what the Holy Spirit has been poured out onto us today during service. Just to take a moment to reflect to reflect about how God is asking us in our lives to be patient, to be humble, to show meekness. How in our lives God is asking us to trust him. Where is that hole in that, that void where today's scripture just filled and overflowed and how you felt it deeply and you felt God and Christ just whispering unto you, this is the area that I am looking to fill for you. Just take one moment to breathe. And always as we close, we offer you the opportunity to come forward to the altar to pray. Whether or not it's praying for a situation, a season, a person, maybe it's another family that you know. Just to come forward and to say, Christ, I cannot carry this alone. This person that I know cannot carry this alone. And thus, we are giving it over to you. Before we do that, just take that moment just to exhale as we pray together and open our hearts and our souls. Bow our heads. In this moment. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your message and for your word, for pouring out onto us that which we need to receive. We know that that message was heard differently in every heart that was present here today. We thank you. We glorify you and we worship you. We ask that you just be with us in this moment, in this season, in the situation, in the relationships that are troubled that we can just go forth and trust in you, humbling ourselves to let you lead. For we know that this is a long, slow walk of faith that we take. And as your children, we are happy and grateful that we do it with a loving and gracious Father, a heavenly Father who loves us so that he gave his Son, Christ, unto us. Amen. As you rise in body and spirit for our closing song, we do welcome you to come forward here to the altar if there is a, a season or a situation that you would like to have prayers over. We welcome you. <laughs>